Back in 2016, Congress passed and President Obama signed into law the Administrative Leave Act. It was supposed to cap how long federal employees could stay on paid administrative leave. Backers at the time said that administrative paid leave was costing taxpayers too many millions of dollars a year. Well, now, more than six years later, agencies are still missing final regulations to make changes to federal leave policy. Here with the latest developments, though, Federal News Network's Drew Friedman. And Drew, do we have any movement yet on these regulations? Not yet, Tom. I think we're still waiting to see when OPM will actually issue these final regulations on the Administrative Leave Act. They did issue regulations for part of the legislation back in 2018. And at the time now, five years, almost five years ago, they said they would at a later date issue regulations for the other two parts of the bill. But so far, we have not seen that come to fruition. Let's go back to the law itself. What does it actually say? I mean, what does it require? So the Administrative Leave Act would essentially create three new categories of paid administrative leave. That's paid leave that federal employees can take without using up their individual paid time off. And this is law that was included in the fiscal 2017 National Defense Authorization Act. And the type of leave it's supposed to create are weather and safety leave, investigative leave, and notice leave. What it would do is basically cap the number of days that federal employees can spend on paid administrative leave. It would have an initial cap of 10 days, which then can be extended incrementally up to a 90-day maximum. And that's essentially trying to encourage agencies to tighten up the timeline for conducting personnel investigations for federal employees. Those at the time when lawmakers enacted this bill, they said those uh, investigations could often go on for six months up to a year and a half, sometimes even longer. So it's basically encouraging agencies to just reduce the amount of time that federal employees are spending on on that leave. Right. There were cases of people being on paid administrative leave even longer than two or three years. There were some really crazy outlier cases. And, you know, the agencies churn through this thing and sometimes they never get around. It's easier to leave them on paid administrative leave than to resolve the case, which could end up in court or something. And so OPM has not done nothing, though, right? They've done some regulation on this. Right. They have issued regulations for weather and safety leave. That's one part of the Administrative Leave Act, and it basically lets federal employees take paid leave if there's an emergency situation, like severe weather or something like that. But for the other two types of leave included in the Administrative Leave Act, investigative leave and notice leave, those we don't have final regulations for yet. Initially in the act, there was a nine-month deadline to issue all of these regulations. But of course, now we are six years later, so it's beyond that initial deadline. And again, the investigative and notice leave, those two types of leave are for federal employees waiting a decision on from an agency on adverse personal action or who are under investigation. Yeah. So the rules for administrative leave are like on administrative leave. OPM has never been one to speed out regulations. I remember partial retirement or phased retirement. It took them about two or three years to come up with those rules. Why do they say it's taking so long? So Part of the issue for OPM, according to a spokesperson, is that it would conflict with something called rest and recuperation leave. This is a different type of leave that federal personnel who are overseas can use to recover from different types of events that occur in combat zones. And OPM basically says that issuing the regulations for administrative leave would 
prevent those employees from being able to take rest and recuperation leave. This is something where there was an amendment back in 2019 to try to fix that issue, but that ultimately wasn't passed or enacted. So OPM says in the meantime, they've been trying to work through some of those issues with agencies who are impacted, but they didn't share a timeline on whether or when they're going to issue these final regulations. And also notably, it's not included in their regulatory agenda coming up. So it's just not listed in their plans for what they're going to issue regulations on coming up. And some of the advocacy groups that look out for federal employees have noticed this. You and I are not the only ones. And there's been some pushback here. I Yeah, there have been some very uh, vocal advocates of this bill who have expressed frustration and disappointment with OPM for not issuing the final regulations. They've said that the bill was, you know, really a bipartisan good government bill that, and something that because of the lack of final regulations, some agencies, at least anecdotally, are still misusing administrative leave. That's not every agency, but there are a handful that are still having issues or people staying on administrative leave for too long. The Senior Executives Association is one organization that partnered closely with the lawmakers of the original legislation. SEA Director of Policy and Outreach, Jason Briefel, explained why it's an issue. I'm aware of several anecdotal examples where senior executives have been put out on what would or should have been this kind of leave as the statute envisions. But because there were no OPM regulations on it, agencies just did whatever they have done in the past. There's no way to restore the trust of the American people and the federal government if we cannot do the basics for managing the workforce. And OPM is not providing agencies with the guidance and the clarity necessary. And are you seeing smoke signals, Drew, that OPM is going to come out with these? I mean, it looks like they're maybe thinking about it. They didn't give me a timeline or a reason why it wasn't included in their regulatory agenda. They said they're trying to work through some of the issues with agencies, as I said, who are impacted by rest and recuperation leave. But at this point, they didn't share a timeline for when some of this might actually change. And by the way, has anyone tallied up how much is spent each year on employee salaries for those on administrative leave? That is hard to say, Tom. There is some data, but it is a bit outdated from what is publicly available. There's a 2014 GAO report that says that at the time, there were 263 federal employees who had spent between one and three years on paid administrative leave, and that was costing the government $31 million a year in salary costs. That data now is about 10 years old, and that's actually that report is part of the reason that the Administrative Leave Act was passed, but there's no more recent data than that report. Well, the number hasn't gone down. We can probably be sure of that. So what I'm hearing is the best strategy for federal employees to go on administrative leave is do it the last three years before retirement. I guess guess that could be one way to look at it. Yikes. Federal News Network's Drew Friedman, thanks so much. Thank you. And check out her story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, 
Visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics. I um, One of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from, from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of of people with intellectual disabilities and 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 physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I I knew that I knew that work a bit. You know, they they basically were in d- direct care, and and I will say, and on a, obviously we'll say about my my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but uh, the the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are are really um, you know we we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're they're really heroes, and um, so I was I was drawn when I I and I just saw that you know Special Olympics was looking for someone, and I thought, well, you know, I'll take a look at it and see, see you know, throw, send in my information, and lo and behold, I I, I get hired, and um, I learn uh, every day almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington D.C. And, you know, uh, Terrell, who, who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries, uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused, uh, has, a, has a good story, like, it can just turn a day around for you. And, and, and you think of, I, I, you know, so often when you'll walk away, I'll be like, you know, whatever was bothering me or whatever is you know, stressing me out and come on, you know, like look at, look at Terrell, like he, he, he faces everything with optimism. And, and, and I've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the United States and globally, you see people who have had everything stacked against them. You know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should, you should, you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the state or, or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of watch, watch your hands a bit. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from from their last competition, and they're so committed, and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs and 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 I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from a- the athletes of Special Olympics that. Uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more. Uh, we get more than we give uh, working with Special Olympics. It, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do. But but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I, 
I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That, that, you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful. And, and uh, I mean, we work hard and, you know, we we're up against, you know, the things that nonprofits are up against and, you know, the, you know, the issues of the day, but uh, man, you see it, it and, and, and the inclusion and the, at Special Olympics, no one's excluded. You know, no, right. no one's excluded. Yeah. Everyone is equal at Special Olympics. It, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot. But you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics in experience the power of Special Olympics for themselves, I, I, I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get, how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved? Uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials, uh, and and the thing that that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that that I mentioned earlier, um, where people and, and it doesn't have to be uh, it's not just school age it's it's uh, you know we say nine to ninety nine or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams uh, bowl together golf together play soccer basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding uh, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out at, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website, uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll, uh, talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.